0: Y'all know me, I would much rather be down there on the floor closer to y'all, but I'm going to stay up here so I can leave my mask off so that y'all can hear and so that I can breathe while I'm trying to trying to teach the class. I'm going to have to really and truly uh, relearn how to teach class, you know, back in, in, in person. We've been doing it for now a year online, and so it's a, a little bit difficult, you know, to swap from one to the other, but we'll do our best to get by this morning. As we begin our lesson this morning, there are words that we sometimes call buzzwords. Now, buzzword is one of those words that somebody will coin, that they'll make up, and, and people will begin using it. You'll see it on television. You'll read it in papers and things like that. And you see it so much that you really and truly get sick of hearing the buzzwords that we have. One of the buzzwords that we have right now that's going around is the buzzword, Influencer. So-and-so is an influencer. He or she is an influencer. Now, what in the world is an influencer? Well, let me read a couple of definitions. This one comes from InfluencerMarketingHub.com. They say an influencer is someone who has the power to affect the purchasing decisions of others because of his or her authority, knowledge, position, or relationship with his or her audience. Now, that's one of the definitions that they give for an influencer. Here's a second thing that they say. An influencer is someone who has a following in a distinct niche with whom he or she is actively engaged. The size of the following depends on the size of his or her topic of the niche. Now, in short, what we're looking at when we're talking about an influencer is someone who has influence, someone who has authority over or the trust of certain people so that they can uh, have them or influence them to do certain things. Now, that set me to thinking when I hear that word influencer, and so I thought about how that we as Christians are to be influencers, And that's what I want us to think about. Are we as Christians being influenced or are we being the influencers that God intends for us to be? Over the next few weeks, we're going to study this topic, we're going to think about it, and I think it's going to be worth our time in order to do that. Now, the lesson that we'll be presenting first off this morning... It's going to be one that is relatively simple. It's one that we'll mention some things that all of us probably already know. But we want to cover those things. We want to cover those bases as we begin. To do that, let's simply begin by understanding that every person has influence. Every person has influence. Every person person has influence. Can you all say that? I'm not asking you to say it. But can you say that? Every person has influence. As a matter of fact, we are born with influence. Right? We're born with influence. Do you believe that? Do you believe that we are born with influence? And if you don't think that's true, you just ask first time parents whether that newborn baby has influence or not. You see, that new baby, he changes the whole dynamic of a household, right? You know, when he's hungry, what do you have to do? Whether it's 2 o'clock or, uh, you know, mid-morning, what do you have to do? you got to get up and you've got to take care of that baby. If that baby wants to be changed because it's wet or... Uh, because it 's got a soil diaper, what do you have to do, regardless of what time it is? You have to get up and move because that baby has influenced you to do whatever it is that you need to do and so when we when we think about it, babies have influence on whole houses, trips you know, and things of that nature they They get all messed up. I, I can remember Daniel is here this morning. I can remember. When he was a baby and we were living in Montgomery and we would come home, we had to load up, you know, the playpen. They didn't have the, what you call them now, the the pack and play things. We had the whole playpen that we had to, you know, stick in the trunk of the car and, you know, take it so that he could have something to sleep in. Same was true with Rachel. But it just changed the whole dynamic of things because you have a little baby in your life. We are born... With influence. And you know what? As we grow, our, influ- our influence remains with us. Not just from the time that we're babies. As we grow up, our influence continues to grow and go with us. Now, again, I said this is going to be a very simple lesson this morning. And so, as we look at it, we all understand that we can be a bad influence. Right? That's not, that's not hard for us to grasp. We know that we can be a bad influence on other people. If you have your Bible with you this morning, let's go ahead and turn to the book of 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11. We're going to do some reading there this morning. 1 Kings chapter 11. We want to read the first eight verses of 1 Kings chapter 11. Now, while you're turning there, let's think about who we're going to be reading about. We're going to be reading about a man by the name of Solomon. Now, how many of us know Solomon? Solomon is known as the wise man, right? He's the man who, when uh, when God said, Hey, ask me what you will, and I'll give it to you. He's the one who asked for wisdom. And because he asked for wisdom, God gave him the wisdom... But he also gave him money and power because he didn't ask for those things. He simply asked for wisdom. Now you would think with that God-given wisdom that Solomon would be wise enough to make the right decisions all the time, right? That he would know what to do in every situation. He knew what to do when it came to that baby, didn't he? The two mothers, one who had who had uh, accidentally killed her baby, the other who didn't, you know, and, and the one who had accidentally killed her baby claimed the live baby. You remember what he did. He said, take the baby and cut it in half and give one to one, half to one, half to the other. And the real mother said, no, just take it and give it to her. And he said, that's mama right there. We would think he would be able to make the right decision, be wise enough to make the right decision every single time. But that's not the case. In the book of 1 Kings chapter 11 at verse 1, the Bible says, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, (coughs) You shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. Who did it? His wives turned away his heart. His wives influenced Solomon, the wise man. Verse 4. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place in Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites on the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrificed to their gods. What happened to Solomon, the wise man, the man who had been given wisdom by God, he had women, wives, who influenced him. And their influence was not good influence, was it? They influenced him for evil. Turn in the New Testament to the book of Matthew chapter 14, verses 6 and 7. Matthew chapter 14. Well, actually, we want to read through verse number 10. Matthew 14, verses 6 through 10. The Bible says, But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod, so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oaths, now watch this next phrase, and his guests. He commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in prison. Why does the Bible say Herod beheaded John? Well, he made an oath. He said, I'll give you whatever you ask. But there were people who were present when he made that promise, that oath. And he didn't want to look bad in front of those folks. And so... In essence, what those folks did was influence him even without saying a word. He was worried about what he would look at, look like in front of them. And that was a bad influence on Herod. Those folks, even though they may not have done anything in, in, in this case that was, you know, overtly wrong, they were a bad influence on him because they were there. And so, we can be a bad influence on people. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, verse 18, the Bible says, Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. One sinner destroys much good. One sinner can have an influence on a whole number of people and destroy that which is good and that which is right. And so we can have a bad influence. But by the same token, we can have a good influence. We can be a good influence on other folks. And I truly believe that the Apostle Paul was a good influence. Was he not? Don't you think Paul was a good influence? Look with me, if you will, to the book of Acts, chapter 28. Let's look at verses 30 and 31. Acts, chapter 28, verses 30 and 31. Now, while you're turning there... Let's understand uh, what we're about to read here. Paul has been arrested. He has been taken to Rome, and he is awaiting trial. He's allowed to live in his own house, as we'll notice here, and he is allowed to live there at his own expense. But as we look at what, he's, uh, what is said here, it sets us up for what we'll look at next in relation to his influence. The Bible says, beginning in verse 30, He lived there two whole years at His own expense and welcomed all who came to Him. Now now focus on that for a minute. He welcomed all who came to Him. And when they came to Him, what did He do? Proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Now He's under arrest... But they're allowing him, you know, they didn't have the ankle bracelets and things like that back then like we have today. But they allowed him to live at home until his trial actually came and everything was settled. But he had to stay there. He couldn't leave, but people could come and see him. They could come and visit with him. And when they came and visited with him, what did he do? Well, he did what Paul always did. He preached to them. He sought to evangelize, to teach them. But notice again, he welcomed all who came. But I want to ask you a question this morning. Who came to see him? While he was there, captive, if you will, in in Rome, who came to, to see him? Now, I don't know everybody that came, but I do know some who came because the Bible tells me about some who came. In the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 22, Paul, in writing to the church at Philippi, said... All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Now, where's Caesar's house at? Where's Caesar's household at? Caesar's household is going to be in Rome. That's where Paul was in prison. And so it's evident that some who were of Caesar's own household must have been with him while he was there, and they heard him as he proclaimed The gospel to them. And he calls them saints. They had become believers in Christ. He had influenced them. Paul was a good influence on other folks. Look at the book of of Acts chapter 16 verses 25 and 26. Still talking about the apostle Paul. He said about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. You realize this is when they had been arrested in uh, Philippi. okay? And so they were singing. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Now, who was there? Well, Paul and Silas were there, Right. Because we're going to find them singing here. But there were other prisoners who were there. Because uh, as they were singing, what does the Bible say? And the prisoners were listening to them. But then there's that earthquake. And whose chains, whose bonds were unfastened? The Bible says immediately all the doors were opened. And everyone's bonds were unfastened. Now, if you had been a prisoner that night, if you had been a prisoner, what would you have done if the prison door is open and the chains that were holding you down, they were loosed from you? Well, most prisoners, what are they going to do? They're going to bolt. They're going to run. They're going to get out as quick as they can. in the chaos, they're going to try to get away. But then going on in verses 27 and 28, when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. He thought what I just said. He thought they'd run. He thought they'd bolted. But what's this? But Paul cried with a loud voice, "Do not harm yourself, for most of us are here still." Is that what he said? For we are. All here. We're all here. Why, pray tell, did the rest of those prisoners stay there? I'm not sure that I know all the reasons, but I am convinced that it was probably because Paul and Silas had an influence on them. Even the very singing that they were doing had an impact on these people and it was an influence for good so we can have a bad influence or we can have a good influence but what size is your influence what size is your influence you ever thought about that if everybody has it and it can be good or bad i'm hoping that you're going to have a good influence on folks but what size is your influence on other folks now, I want to go back to that article I quoted from earlier from the, the website about uh, the influencer marketing. And uh, they mentioned four different kinds of influence, or I should say four different sizes of influence. The first one that they mention is mega influencers. Now, when they're talking about mega influencers, these are people with a vast number of followers, and I'm quoting from what they say. These are people with a vast number of followers on their social networks. Although there are no fixed rules on the boundaries between the different types of followers, a common view is that mega-influencers have more than one million followers on at least one social media platform. In other words, these people have influence over a lot of folks. They have over a million followers, the mega-influencers. But then, not only do you have folks who have that much influence on others, you have the macro, M A C R O, the macro influencers. Now that's a step down from the mega influencers, and and maybe, uh, as they say, more acce- uh, accessible uh, as an influence marketer. Uh, they say you would consider people with followers in the range of between forty thousand and one million followers on a social network to be macro-influencers. Now, that's a big range, 40,000 to a million. But that's still a lot of people to have influence on, isn't it? 40,000 to a million. Then there are the micro-influencers. Micro-influencers. These are the ordinary, everyday people, they say, who have become known for their knowledge about some specialist niche. As such, they have usually gained a sizable social media following amongst devotees of that niche. It's not just the number of followers that indicates a level of influence. It's the relationship and interaction that a micro-influencer has with his or her followers. You could consider micro-influencers as having between 1,000 and 40,000 followers on a single social media platform. Now, what do they say? Well... The, 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 more, the, the lower you go, the more influence you might have on a smaller group, but a more intimate influence you might have. So you've got the micro. Then you've got what they call the nano, the nano-influencers. They only have a small number of followers, but they tend to be experts in an obscure or highly specialized field. You can think of a nano-influencer as being the proverbial big fish in a small pond. In many cases, they have fewer than a thousand followers, but they will be keen and interested followers, willing to engage with the nano-influencer and listen to his or her opinion. As I look out over this audience, when it comes to us as being Christian influencers, it may not be that we are mega-influencers. You and I, neither one of us, may be a mega influencer. We might not be a micro, uh, a macro influencer, have huge audiences where people will listen to us. We may not even be a micro influencer where, you know, we've got a a, a good number of people that we can intimately, you know, uh, influence. We may not have that large of audience, but I'm going to tell you something. We can at least be a nano-influencer. That small group of people that are around us. It may be our family. It may be our friends. It may be our co-workers. It may be the folks that you know, we have association with at uh, maybe sporting events or whatever it might be. We can influence those people. We can consider ourselves maybe a nano-influencer. We don't have the greatest platform, but we can influence the people that are around us. Now, one thing is certain. We're either going to have a good or bad influence on somebody. Jesus said in the book of Matthew, chapter 12, at verse number 30, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters jesus said hey you're going to have an influence one way or the other you're going to be for me or you're going to be against me and and so you know we are going to influence people one way or another you may think you have no influence but you cannot do one wrong thing one little act that's wrong without leading someone astray we have to guard our influence always Paul would say it this way in Romans chapter 14, at verse number 7. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. There are always people around us who are watching us. They have those eyes on us. They may be older eyes, they may be little baby eyes, but they're going to be on us. But then last of all, here's another thought. Your influence will outlive you. Your influence is going to outlive you. You've got it. It's going to be good or bad. And it's going to continue on even after you're gone in one form or another. That ought to shake us to the core. In the book of Micah chapter 6 at verse number 16, Micah writes and says, For you have kept the statutes of Umri and all the works of the house of Ahab, and you have walked in their councils that I may make you a desolation and your inhabitants a hissing, so you shall bear the scorn of my people. Two people that I want you to notice there, two names. Umri and Ahab. These people are following after Umri and Ahab. The only thing about it is Umri had been dead for 200 years. People were still following after him. And Ahab had been dead for 170 years. And they were still following after him. They followed the influence, bad influence, I should say, of these two men even after they were dead. Israel, God's people, We're still being influenced by these men. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11 at verse 4 in the New Testament, the Bible says, By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts through his faith. Though he died, he still speaks. And you know what? When the writer of the book of Hebrews said that, the main thought is simply that Abel exercised and was still communicating over 4,000 years later. and He was influencing for good. And he's still doing that. How long and how far-reaching will your influence on your family, on your friends, on your neighbors, whoever it may be, how long will it continue? Well, here's the sobering thought, and that's this. Understand that your influence may well be eternal. It may influence them either to go to heaven or be lost eternally. We are the influencers. Thank you so much for your attention this morning. We'll build on this a little bit. I said this was a... A very simple lesson that we would look at this morning, but we'll continue to build on this concept of being the influencers. You are dismissed.